We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Wednesday. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk in the Notre Dame Football Midweek Mailbag. Sean and Sean edition, part two. Yes. <laughs> How are you uh, doing this evening? I'm doing good. I tell you what, Vince Vince might be scared, you know, like you keep popping in here on Wednesdays, no, man, taking over I, these mailbags. <laughs> I'm just I'm just the guy at the end of the bench that you guys <laughs> call in when you when you can't do the show. I wouldn't say that. I would say valuable sixth man, you know, the way it's working. Okay. So I like that. I don't that. mind being a Tony Cool coach. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you I go. I like that. <laughs> I think a lot of people will take that. That's right. Sean and Sean edition. Sean Davis is back once again. We had uh, so much fun last week that he popped in yeah. again this week to uh to answer some mailbag questions. Has has the week has the week gone fast for you? Has it gone slow? Like what's your week? been like in relation to uh the world of football i guess <laughs> it's, it's, you know what it's strange because the combination of notre dame on saturday bears on sunday is what kind of gets me uh -huh. going, going into the next week but the bears played on thursday so there was really no investment other than just being a sports fan on sunday and it did seem like the weekend kind of dragged a little bit and as usc week so I'm pumped up. So, yeah, I'm a little anxious to get to the weekend. You know, my daughter is a senior at USC. So I think, some, I think Brian yeah. might have told me that. And I didn't yeah. I, I, I had no idea before. So, yeah. so what's that like kind of being, you know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame guy, but having a, a daughter out there well, at USC? I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame guy because of my grandfather. Okay. Rest his soul. And my dad grew up a USC fan because uh, that's late 60s. That's really when USC with the running backs and uh -huh. everything started going. And my dad was a USC fan. So he was kind of influential in my daughter choosing USC. And okay. she, she wanted the warm weather. So I understood. Hey, so I we have a bet. That. We have a bet. I have to wear a USC apparel during one of my shows next week. <laughs> And she, well, she already has Notre if Dame. If they here. win, if they win, if right? They win. Only if they win. Okay. Yeah, only if they win. And if Notre Dame wins, vice versa, she has to wear Notre Dame around campus. Nice. But I like that. 
her fandom really only happened because she went to the school. She grew up watching Notre Dame football with me, mm -hmm. you know, next to me every Saturday, you know, in her little stroller. So, right. you know, she was a Notre Dame fan. And then all of a sudden, you know, she switched. She went to USC and she supported their football program. So, okay. I did the best I could, Sean. <laughs> I wasn't right. I wasn't all that bad as a parent. I had it for about 16 <laughs> years on the Notre yeah. Dame side. That's right. That's right. She'll still have a a good degree when she comes mm -hmm. out of it. So she's got that going for her. Absolutely. All right. We've got a few questions in here. We've uh, I've got a few of them start up. So uh, keep bringing those. Whoops. Keep bringing those questions in. I was just about to start something and then something else popped in and uh, I've got a couple more startups. So keep bringing those questions in and we'll get started on some of them. All right. Let's start with an easy one. Mr. 2.0 wants to know, should he buy a Powerball ticket? What's the jackpot up to right now? I don't even know. I, I have no clue, but let me tell you something. I, my, my dad and I had a laugh because, you know, my dad's a pastor and uh, my dad was laughing like, Hey man, yo, I have to pray up every day because I see how much that ball is worth, <laughs> and it's tempting. So we had, we had a laugh about it, you know. But if you want to do it, go ahead and buy one. I think Ooh. I think everything is on their app too. You can go to the app or on the website and just kind of randomly pick numbers and everything. You don't actually have to physically go to a store or a gas station like you. Okay, to. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize yeah. you can do that now. Yeah. One point seven two billion. I don't know where I've been. I guess my head's been the stand uh, the sand a little bit over. Wow, almost two billion already. I, I think I better get in there and and get mine. What time? What time is the cutoff for the, for the tickets? How late can I get mine? I think the drawing is usually like nine p.m. Okay, Eastern, if I'm right. not mistaken. I'll have time then after the show then still tonight. I mean, I need to get in and get mine. All right, you could do something with that one point seven, Sean. You think? Uh, I think so. I think I could do a lot with that. <laughs> Call it a day and buy my RV and go hit the road, man. <laughs> you tell my about. wife she loves RV. Really? Yeah. I've been my yeah. see, my grandparents used to have one, and like we would, you know, like both of my different sets of great, like one had the RV, the other just had the camper. The camper wasn't as fun, you know, because like yeah. the RV, and this was, you know, this has been a, a while, 40, 50 years ago, I guess, but still it was uh it was nice. You know, you go out to the lake, do the yeah. thing, stuff like that. And uh, they would go all over the country in it. I didn't, I never got to go on one of those trips. I think that might've been a little bit too much. If young Sean Styers was uh, with my, my Styers grandparents, they were, they were, they were a little bit more low key. I was a little bit too, you know, I wouldn't say high strung, but yeah. you know, I like to ask a lot of questions back then. Oh. And it kind of wore on them a little bit. I can get so, that. I get that. <laughs> That's right. All right. So into some Notre Dame football questions. Joe wants to know, does Marcus Freeman let Parker have free reign so he can find his creativity? And I'm assuming he means this weekend. What are your thoughts? I think every head coach in America, you know, has uh, veto rights when it comes to play call. So I'm sure Marcus Freeman is on the headphones and I think, the audio, the five-minute video they put out for the end of the Duke game mm -hmm. showed the type of communication that goes on between all of the coordinators and the head coach. And uh, that's pretty consistent throughout. You know, if uh, 
if Marcus Freeman hears a call and I feel and he feels like he wants to go in a different direction, you know, he has that right as the head coach to uh, always maybe not call the play, but kind of say the direction he wants to start the drive or what he wants to go to in yeah. this particular situation. But and I don't think head coaches really they have that liberty, but I don't really think they use it a lot from my experience. And, you know, I think this is, according to Jared Parker, everything we've heard was, yo, this is the offense that this team ran last year. This is what they're used to. It makes the transition for me much easier. That's everything we learned in this uh, spring. We saw them against Ohio State come up with the two-back, two-back, uh, the two-man backfield right? to, to kind of shock Ohio State because Ohio State didn't expect that. So I think they always come into a game with something new and fresh. It's just a matter of calling it at the right time. As most, as both coaches said, this Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker, they haven't executed well. And for me, that's been the biggest thing, Sean, if I can be honest. And I, I've said, you know, this on social media. Notre Dame feels like they're a really good team. Marcus Freeman feels like he has a really good team. And they always talk about, as a program, being one of the top six, seven elite programs in the nation. Okay, if that's the case, then I'm not about to let you off the hook. Yeah. The fact of the matter is they have not played up to their potential the last two weeks. Right. Doesn't matter who Duke has, doesn't matter how many transfers Louisville has, Notre Dame has not played up to their potential. Completely. And, that's agree it. With that. and to use any other reason or excuse, whether it's them being tired, Louisville having this many transfers, Duke having Mike Elko, and doesn't matter. If Notre Dame plays to their potential, they're probably undefeated. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep. Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, 
Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. I completely agree with that. I can't disagree with that at all. And as I've kind of said a couple of times, it, it feels to me like, you know, after really going toe to toe with Ohio State, one of the elite programs in the country, the way that last four and a half minutes got away from them, it just mm-hmm. feels like that has bled into these last couple of games. And it does feel like the offensive game plan has probably become a little bit more conservative over these last couple of games. Now, granted, you had three receivers who you could play. Yeah. I mean, you had you had four, but you had three that, who you felt like you could trust against Duke. They got a couple back. Doesn't sound like Jaden Greathouse is still completely healthy. You see, you know, mm-hmm. So that's going to be something to watch. Uh, you know, whether it's Marcus Freeman sort of, you know, wanting to protect his defense, I don't know. But this USC game, especially with the defense they have and the offense they have, feels like a game – where if uh, if if they've consciously been running the offense a little bit more conservatively the last couple of games, feels like they really need to reopen things back up because yeah. you're going to have to score some points. You're going to have yeah. to score some points to win this game Saturday. I, I think – and I wonder how you view this, Sean. Against Ohio State, I think they came up with certain wrinkles because they knew – from a talent standpoint, that they were they needed to hit some things. Yeah, they, Ohio State was either better or just as good as they were from a talent right. standpoint. So they had to come up with some nuances offensively. It, I really felt that they just lined up against Duke and Louisville, feeling like they're just a better team, and eventually our talent's gonna win out. That that's the way it seemed, mm-hmm. you know, especially with some of the play calls in third and short. So. Hopefully the coaches recognize that, you know, it takes a little bit more from us. Yes, we might have the more talent, but, and I pointed this out, it's amazing how much motion and other little nuances that Kyle Shanahan uses, even though he has an extremely talented offense. Right. He never just lines his guys up and says, go beat them. That's exactly right. He takes the responsibility to make things easier for his great players. And I think that's something that I hope that Jared Parker and uh, the rest of the offensive staff will do. Because we haven't seen a lot of motion and uh, groupings as far as bunch formations to get mm-hmm. guys, you know, off a of man, bump and run coverage. We haven't seen a lot of that. So Jesse did a breakdown, like all the plays of the Louisville game and – we were talking about this last night. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame used motion 18% on 18% of their plays. And like he talked about, you know, you talk about Shanahan. They use motion. Mike McDaniel with Miami. Mm-hmm. Like those teams are over 70%. Notre Dame mm-hmm. was at 18% of their plays. And like, and you look at, and like you said, you can't just be a stagnant lineup, especially when you're playing teams with better talent. It's one thing to do that against a Tennessee state or a central Michigan or whoever, when you're Mm -hmm. playing 
the more talented teams like they've been in in this stretch, you've got to do some different things. You can't just line up and say our guys are better than yours because, you know, and to an extent, they've still been better than than Duke or Louisville. Yeah. But in those two games, Duke and Louisville were the better coach teams in those games, just the way they went about doing their business. I was very impressed. I was very impressed with Coach Brown. Very impressed. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I expected that he would come in with some wrinkles, but he used motion to really take advantage of what we know is that our linebackers and their eye discipline at times can, you know, open up the floodgates in the run in the run game. And he used that. He he used misdirection and motion. And got Jawar some big runs on the backside. And DJ Brown, you know, we know he struggles in space to tackle. And, you know, a couple of times he was one-on-one with the running back and couldn't get him down. And it ended yeah. up being a big play and a touchdown. So, you know, Coach Brown and his staff, they scouted Notre Dame and their tendencies very, very well. But Notre Dame has to do a big better job of going against their tendencies and giving the defense a lot of different things to look at. Yep, absolutely. Where did that question go? Kind of piggybacking on that in a little bit. To what extent, Salty wants to know, do you think the recent injuries to guys like Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse have led to what we've seen from the passing game, lack of passing game, and teams just packing the box to stop the run? How much do you think that that's been a factor? Well, we expected, at least I expected, that during this three-game stretch, teams would challenge Notre Dame, blitz, put men in a box, and play bump and run on the outside. Because coming into the season, I said, I'm not sure Notre Dame has a number one receiver. Right. And that was just me being honest. I, I, I didn't know if Notre Dame had a number one receiver. We sit right here, you know, on the – precipice of facing USC and we still don't know if Notre Dame has a number one go-to guy and with that being said the injuries only magnified things because it was the same thing we saw against Ohio State from the passing game and then the injuries hit us it before we faced Duke and it makes it even more difficult you know they get the guys back last week like you said Jaden Greathouse May not be 100%. You know, Jaden Thomas came back pretty quick from a hamstring. So I don't know how good or healthy he really is. But you see a walk-on come on and make an immediate impact and is able to go up against man-to-man coverage and win. And you just kind of wonder, you know, what what is really going on? You know, and Saturday night for me, Sean, was really, if there was ever a team lost, Saturday night was that for me, right? Like, yeah. yes, there is cause and effect. So there's an effect to the O-line not playing as well, right? But that's also an effect to Sam Hartman not playing as well. There's right. an effect to the wide receivers not getting off coverage. Everything has an effect, but everything was in full display. I don't think anybody particularly had a good game on Saturday night. <laughs> no. So, so the passing game. I think I – think- I think the defense still had a good game, you know. Oh, they battled their tails off. Right. And yeah. the, the the offense just didn't play enough complimentary football to help out the defense. You know, the defense was was right there throughout, but mm-hmm. 
it's just a cumulative effect once you get into that late third, early fourth quarter. Your offense hasn't been sustaining drives. The defense becomes fatigued. You know, that's when you start. That's when you really start with the missed tackles and stuff like that that we saw. When you're fatigued, that's going to happen even more. And we saw it out there. The offense just flat out has to help them more. I mean, I think it's a good point. I think Louisville had a very specific idea of how they were going to attack Notre Dame. They weren't going to let Andre yeah. Estime in that running game get going. We saw that. Notre Dame, though, was not able to adjust, whether it was formationally, personnel-wise, Sam Hartman. And I don't think – it just felt like – I know a lot of people were talking about, well, Sam Hartman checked out over on the sideline, you know, not in the huddle. Like, I think – after he threw that first interception right away, it just kind of felt like he was kind of in his own head a little bit. And then you saw. Do you think he felt like, man, huh, I struggled here last year throwing right. three picks. Like, right. Here we go again. I, yeah. It's very possible. It's, it's, that's a good point, Sean. I mean, it's very possible. it seems like a an odd coincidence that that was the last three interception. You know, the, the last two, three interception games that he had were on that mm -hmm. same field against that team even though you got a different head coach with it and that's that's why i said you know, again like it feels like maybe maybe he was in his own head a little bit about that joe wants to know on sticking to the wide receiver topic do you think that notre dame should use Faison more to help free up the wide receivers and of course notre dame's newest scholarship wide receiver jordan Faison. we saw him yeah. you know with a couple plays and then we didn't see him afterwards so what do you think? What do you think his impact can be on this receiving core? Do you, do you think that he can kind of help free things up a little bit more? Well, Sean, towards the end of the spring, that's really when we started to hear certain things coming out of the program about this kid. Mm -hmm. And then we heard things about him during fall camp. But with the depth that we felt like we had a wide receiver, we didn't feel like we were going to see him take the field. But it was like, okay, that's good. You know, good to hear. And because of injuries, he was called into action, and the route he ran, being able to beat man-to-man -man coverage, absolutely played a kid. You know, if he's still practicing well and he gets five to seven snaps a game, play the kid. But for me, I'm more concerned about the usage of those wide receivers. Even if you're short, the first interception that Sam threw that you pointed out, that's not who Rico Flores is. That's, that's I was talking about that is. last night. I did not like that play. He was really the only wide receiver they had yeah. out on a route on that play. Everyone else was just kind of like, you know, like little slants and, you know, kind of sitting over the middle. Yeah. And it's just Rico one-on-one. -on -one, yeah, that like a jump ball to Rico Flores doesn't make sense to me. That's like Tobias and his speed or either Jaden Thomas. Because Jaden Thomas has shown he would go up for a 50-50 ball mm -hmm. and possibly come down with it. Like, those should have been the two candidates yes. to be out wide on that play. That's not Rico's game. Rico is really good in the slot, being able to run option routes and having room to do what he does. That's his strength. Jaden Greathouse is the same way. So, you know, moving forward, you know, I don't want to see receivers put in positions that's not advantageous for them. You know, yes, Rico, I felt Rico did a poor job of turning into a defensive player and kind of knocking the ball out of the defender's hand. He could right. have done a much better job than that, than the effort he gave. 
Uh, but other than that, I just thought the, the personnel and the play call, because what they were doing was really genius. I felt the first three plays, they brought in the heavy package with the multiple tight ends, but they spread them out. Right. So now Louisville defensively has their heavy package defense, but they're spread out. And they were moving the ball down the field. See, and that's what's so odd about hey, how they decided to really try to attack the rest of the night. It's like, oh, interception. Now we've got to just change everything. We can't yeah. do that anymore. It's like, you've still got Sam Hartman. That'll still work. Just, yeah. just not that decision necessarily. Right. Not that, not that, you know, not that play. Everything right. else before that was working great. I was really surprised that they didn't go back and, and do that more. I was really shocked that once they got across midfield i was kind of shocked that they didn't sprinkle in the run at that point like okay we have them thinking why taking advantage of the field even if it wasn't Aldrich estimate okay let's throw love in there and, and hit the perimeter with them being spread out mm -hmm. i thought that might have been something we would have seen but you know unfortunately the play they called was the play they called and it ended up in an interception right Exactly. Exactly. Let's switch to the defensive side of the ball for a little bit. Quincy wants to know, should Sneed start at linebacker considering Caleb Williams' ability to extend plays with his feet? <laughs> I mean, Sneed actually played in the game out of USC last year. So this is going to be, no, I wouldn't play him any more than he's already playing. And this is just a discipline game. This discipline pass rush, and this is a Howard Cross Riley Mills game, in my opinion. Yeah. Because the most important pressure is not the edges. You want your edges to be able to stay there and keep him inside. Mm -hmm. You want your pressure to come from the interior. So Riley Mills and Howard Cross against a very suspect offensive line for USC, they need to have their best game applying pressure up the middle. This is this is the game for them. And with the weather being what it's going to be, it's going to be a trenches game. Yep. You know, 10 to 15 mile power winds, precipitation. Did, you know, did. USC's punt returners have been, they've been using sprinklers. I was going to ask you if you saw that. They yeah, that's coaches out there spraying water with these little, you know, it's like those, uh, like the, like the bug spray or whatever, mm -hmm. like you spray on your garden, you know, like the little, the little, uh, you know, container and the, you know, like the pump. And now, now you're spraying, like they're spraying punt returners with water out there. That's how they're preparing yeah. for the rain. I mean, turn the sprinklers on and let them practice in the rain if you're going to prepare for the rain. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is one of the things that I really think, you know, you just keep Sneed. Unless you're just going to start him, Okay. I'm cool with that transition. If he's just going to be a starter at linebacker and you want to give him, you know, some more reps via that decision, fine. If not, you know, let him transition from playing um, yeah. Viper and Rover on third downs. You know, they move the guys inside, the smaller guys inside, and allow him to come around the corner with Josh Burnham. You know, out, like you said, the defense has been a, a very pleasant surprise other than giving up some big runs you know which has been an achilles heel yeah but like, i read into this question about sneed starting is like are you gonna are you gonna spy caleb williams and the answer 
regardless of what mobile quarterback it has been, is you don't spy. You know, they're, they're, they're not just going to spy the quarterback. The key to it, like you said, starts with the interior. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've got to keep Caleb Williams in the pocket, just like any other mobile quarterback. What he did last year is they did a good job of that. They they kept him inside for the most part. He was under pressure for to. most of the first half, Sean. You just got to take him down. Yes. That's, that's, that's the key. The, that's the issue. Right. Because where he hurt them was, and we just put a story up about this with Al Golden and Riley Mills and Xavier Watts talking about it, is the extending of plays. Yep. And that's where he has hurt everybody. Because he only had 35 yards against Notre Dame last uh-huh. year. It's the extending plays where he's able to elude that first pressure and, you know, zig or zag and backpedal and, you know, whatever he needs to do to get away from it and then find a way he keeps his eyes downfield and he makes plays after that first pressure gets to him. Al Golden talked about it's like two acts. It's like the first part of the play until the mm-hmm. pressure arrives. Exactly. Then it's the second act is what he does extending plays afterwards and the key is just finding a way to get him down they only sacked him twice last year you got to sack him and you're at, at the very least because they still you know are, are not a big sack team yeah you've got to disrupt him and force him to make some bad decisions and and that's that's tough to do he's only thrown one interception this is the game i know marcus freeman has been worried about not been worried about the sack numbers and we had a question we asked last week talking about will they get to with the top two defenders get to 11 sacks? This is a game where you make that charge to start stacking up those sack numbers. You mm-hmm. need to get him on the ground and affect that offense. Because, look, Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart have been playing really good. Yeah. They've been playing really good. And I think they went up against a wide receiver core that was probably – just as talented as the receiving core that they're going to see. I'm not sure if Zachariah Branch is going to be back from his injury this week. But if they can shut down uh, Rice and Washington with Cam and Benjamin Morrison with those wins and everything, mm-hmm. it, it should be challenging for the USC offense to do what they normally do. Brian says if there are only three down linemen on defense like last year's strategy, I might cry. Got to stop the run. What do you think the defensive scheme will look like this weekend? And they, you know, they did like the running back had almost 155 yards against them last year. And that is, I I don't think we're going to see the same defensive scheme. I will be, I will be very curious to see what Al Golden does decide to do against Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams. I mean, he's, they, they have faced a couple Good mobile quarterbacks in Brennan Armstrong True. and Riley Leonard. Riley now, the, Leonard, difference, yeah. the difference is, I mean, there's a couple of differences. The, the biggest is what we just talked about is Williams extends plays the way those two don't necessarily do. You know, like Riley yeah. Leonard will gash you with a big run, you know, when kind of when you least expect it. And he had one or two, not huge yeah. runs against Notre Dame, but he was able to make some plays with his legs. The biggest difference is, Williams is the far superior passer. That's why he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. I I will, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I'll just be, I I would be shocked if they come out with the same defensive strategy that they had against him last year. I think Al Golden was very honest about that, that this offseason was the best opportunity for him to be able to game plan each team because he had a chance to watch film. Mm -hmm. He came in a little later last year wasn't really able to focus on individual teams 
and just really focused on Notre Dame's defense. This year, I think he does have – but I think this year, Cam Hart didn't play last year. Remember that now. Cam Hart right. didn't play that game. That's and right. I think they had another defensive back that was injured that game. So they were shorthanded in the uh, defensive backfield yeah. going into that USC and game. For this game, this week, they'll get Thomas Harper back this week. Yes. That's going to be big for them to have yeah. a full – you know, be full strength across the board with Harper – and Morrison and Hart all out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So now that's totally different. So now you're able to cover much better on the back end. Mm-hmm. And your line, your front seven is really stop the run and stop the scramble. That's the focus. Because yes. our guys have to focus because he's going to be scrambling and they have to stick with those receivers right. the entire time. So it's going to be very important that the linebackers in the front seven and the defensive front keeps him out of the secondary as far as being yeah. able to scramble. I mean, make plays. Golden's plan from a coverage standpoint, especially being down Cam Hart, it was pretty good last mm-hmm. year. But what was the problem? Again, the fact that Williams can extend, but you know, it's like how many, how much did we see him running around back there? And it's like mm-hmm. he can't have, you know, the, the coverage was pretty good for the most part. But again, the way he's able to run around and hold on to it, keep his eyes downfield, and then finally just make a play. That's that's yeah. they were just some backbreakers. And of course, the USC, you can't let USC get going running the football the way no. they did last year. I think no. they're right for the pick, and this is going to be the best defense. Yeah, that they have seen this year. It's going to be the best offense that Notre Dame has seen, but it's it's the best defense that they've seen this year. So it's going to be a great matchup when USC has the ball and Notre Dame is out there defensively. I think that I think that ultimately I do think Notre Dame will hold them to their lowest point total of the season. It's going to be a question of yeah, yeah. can Notre Dame's offense score enough? Can they score figure out a way to get it going? Absolutely. Oh, Tariq Bracey was the yeah, that was the other defensive back that was right. Injured. Right. Yeah. That's right. Speaking of which, from Jeff, confidence level Notre Dame can score 24 or more Saturday, and confidence level the D can hold SC to 28 or less, even in the weather forecasted. He says he thinks SC scores at least 30. What do you think? SC won't score 30 unless they get some turnovers and short fields. Agreed. If they have to go full field, in that in that condition and climate, they won't. They won't. They struggle to get to thirty against Arizona in perfect conditions. Right, needed and needed overtime. So, no. If Notre Dame plays their game, if Notre Dame gives the same effort they gave against Ohio State, USC isn't scoring thirty. They're they're not. The, the challenge will be Notre Dame being able to score twenty four. Because Notre Dame, look, I fully expect that the game plan for Notre Dame will be to dominate the trenches, right? Yep. Run the ball. And the forecast affects Sam Hartman as well as a quarterback in the passing game. It's not like it's going to just impact USC and USC only. It's going to impact Notre Dame and their passing game as well. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a low-scoring game in this matchup. I just really wouldn't with both teams under 30. Yeah, I agree. And uh, holding USC to 28, man, I mean, that is going to be tough. Even if it's around 30, I think that that is – that ballpark is what you've got to be looking at between the weather and everything. And like you said, 
the trenches is what it's going to come down to. Their offense was better last year, and their and Notre Dame's defense was not as good as this year's defense. And SC scored 38 points, which, like, if you you know look at what they've done this year, that would be the least amount of like if if you were playing that to this year, they've scored over 40 in every game so far this season. So. Like, how successful is 38? I, I think that's a little bit too high, given what we've seen from Notre Dame's offense these last few games. But again, it's like, it's kind of it's kind of easy to forget what Notre Dame's offense was doing those first four games based on what we've seen these last three, you know? But And they were scoring without Notre Dame's defense. Couldn't get a fumble. You know, they had some interceptions. So the efficiency of the offense was really good. You know, and if Notre Dame can be efficient offensively and score touchdowns, we have to mention that they need to score touchdowns. Yeah. They don't need to go into USC territory and come away with field goals, score touchdowns, get off to a great start, and put the pressure on the USC offense. Put the pressure on their offense. Score early, put the pressure on the USC offense, and stop their running game. For, I, this is a game where I actually want them to throw the ball 50 to 60 times. Oh, in yeah. Those, in those conditions. If the weather's Yeah, if the weather's doing what they're saying it's going to do, that's yes. that's a good night for Notre Dame if, yes. they, if they end up airing it out that much. Andre says he needs to see the offense defensive line play really good this mm-hmm. Saturday. Are they – or he says they are the key to victory. I think we both agree to that. We, yeah. It's a – I mean, Marcus Freeman wants it to be an offensive, defensive, you know, line-driven team. What scares me, though, is, again, like when you look at this forecast and what we have seen from Notre Dame's offensive game plan going back to that these last few games is that maybe they get a little bit too fixed on. Now, if it's working, that's one thing. But, uh, but you know, again, like, if USC is going to stack the – because remember, USC had one of its better defensive games, really, last year against Notre Dame as well. Now, again, it's Drew Pine. It's, it's you Drew know, Pine their and, differences. Yeah. But they but came up with, is, with one of their better defensive game plans against Notre Dame last year. This goes to the point that you brought up earlier as far as the defense for Notre Dame not being helped out by the offense the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry about that. My wife left. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) But you have to play complimentary football. And what USC did is they jumped out early and they were leading the nation in sacks, if I'm not mistaken, at that point in time last year. So that's what they want. And it's the same thing this year. They have Bear Alexander, who's very good rushing the passer, not really good against the run, yeah. but very good rushing the passer. And they have edge rushers that want to fly off the edge. And, and that's, I mean, field. they, you know, they were going to take him obviously regardless, yeah. but I think that they thought that he was going to make their run game or, you know, defensive run defensive stopping a game better. a lot better than what he's done. No. And they still struggle to tackle on a second level and third level. Right. Sound familiar Notre Dame fans, but <laughs> um, it's the same thing. So, USC wants to jump out early and take the run game from Notre Dame, force Notre Dame to have to pass the ball to get back in the game so their pass rushes can come after Sam Hartman. And this is a game where you feel like 
the same way you felt against Ohio State, you hope Blake Fisher and Joe Alt go back to their normal form and pretty much give Sam Hartman a great pocket all night, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, Angelo says if this staff can't find a way to win in the South Bend weather, we'll see this weekend. They're truly the worst football coaching staff in the history of college football. I mean, let's remember Caleb Williams still is a generational quarterback, so let's not yeah. let's not maybe go that far. But I, you know, I I I do see what you're saying, especially again when like SC's out there in the sunshine and they've got assistant coaches or staffers, you know, pumping pumping uh, spraying punt returners, you know, with water out there and you have to know. be honest man this it's not exactly like usc staff is it being in they're not endeared out there in california i'll just leave it at that the same <laughs> conversations that are taking place about notre dame staff is taking place about the usc staff maybe yeah. the only one that is avoiding uh critique is lincoln riley and that's because he just has a difference maker at quarterback. Yeah. Right? That's right. He, he still has problems on his offensive line. They still have problems with off-field issues with certain players at skill positions that they've been dealing with. Seeing again, like like I said, last year's SE offense much more consistent than this year's. I mean, this mm-hmm. this you know, they've still got some guys out there, but at the same time, it is it is so much just Caleb Williams driving everything. Everything. This year. Everything. Everything. Like, Ad- George Addison is a much better receiver than yes. Brendan Rice. Yes. Much better. Absolutely. Mr. 2.0 with a vertical passing game not working. A couple fast guys and a couple receivers who can really block. Why not go horizontal? He wants to see some bubble screens. I mean – that would help you beat some of the pass rush that you're seeing. Again, there's like there's just like so many little things where they could counter some of what they're what they've seen defensively, but it's just not a part of the offense. And in the meantime, everything has just become so predictable. It's like you know, Marcus Freeman was saying the other day, what you know, when he was asked about Hartman and Audibles and stuff like that. Well, if we want to run the ball, we've got to be able to run the ball. Well, yeah. If they're presenting you with an eight and nine man box, because again, going back to some of that data that Jesse put together the other day, when Notre Dame went under center, they went under center 11 times and they ran the ball more than 80% of the time in those situations. And they were looking at an average of 8.6 guys in the box on those plays when they're under center and there's no adjustment to it. It's just, Keep trying to pound it in there. You've got to be able to adjust with something when you're getting those looks that are not an advantage to you in the box. And based upon what we heard from Marcus Freeman, I'm really shocked because with the experience that Sam Hartman has, I really thought he would have more responsibility to call checks at the line sprint. I really did. That's something I anticipated and I thought would be an advantage for Notre Dame as they faced these heavy boxes but you know based upon what coach freeman said it doesn't seem like sam has as much liberty as i anticipated mm-hmm. to be able to look at the defense change of play getting into a different protection and all of that so if that's the case then um, jared parker needs to be really good at his play call 
and it's anticipation of what the defense is going to do. Yep. I agree. I agree. And again, I'm, it's going to be really curious to see the strategy that both sides of the ball come out there with Mm -hmm. for Notre Dame. Really curious. Tyler, thanks for the super chat. He says, besides the Notre Dame USC game, how excited are you for Oregon Washington? I feel that's going to have some fireworks. I'm not sure what time that game is going to be played, but I'm going to guess it's at a time where I'm probably not going to be. Oh, is it at 3.30? I might be able to watch the first half then. Okay. I believe it's the 3.30 game. I'm very excited. This is, uh, I think over the next four or five weeks, is like the Pac-12 round robin. Yeah. Where Oregon, Washington, Utah, and USC all play each other. Yep. And you can throw in UCLA. UCLA only has that road loss at Utah by seven points with a freshman quarterback starting his first road game. So they 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 beat a Washington State team that had been pretty impressive and undefeated last week. And UCLA's defense is not your typical Chip Kelly defense. So I believe that UCLA will have something to say because they always play what USC the last game of the year. They they usually yeah. play them after Notre Dame, right? Right, right. Or, or either right before. Yeah, so, they've they've moved it around the last yeah. few years. Yeah, but it's always it's it's typical. Well, at least when the game is out there, right? You know, when Notre Dame is out there at Thanksgiving that weekend, yeah. It's, yeah, it's right around that same time. Yeah, so I anticipate UCLA to have something to say, regardless of whether or not they win it. They'll have something to say. Brian says this weekend reminds him a lot of going into the Clemson game last year. A lot of doubts, and yet Notre Dame dominated. Obviously, it's Caleb Williams and USC, but just getting the same vibes. And that's, I mean, that's that is kind of what. I'm wondering is like mm-hmm. you're you're at the end of this stretch, but it's a big rivalry game. It's going to be you're back home under the primetime lights and all that stuff. And again, it's it's your rival and you're being doubted now by a lot of people. We've seen Marcus Freeman, whether it was the Clemson game or, or you know, coming out of stand, whatever it happens to be when they went to North Carolina, all you know, they they managed to. He managed to pull the right strings and and do the right mm-hmm. things last year. And I think he's got it in him, but we do have to see it because I think we're all just very confused based on what we saw just across the board. Like you said, it was a team loss last week. There's, there's, you know, everyone is just as culpable as the next. And, you know, like what kind of, what kind of counterpunch does he have now? This is going to go a long way. I think he's got it in him, but we've got to see it. I'll tell you one thing that Coach Freeman had going into that Clemson game that we have not yet we have not yet witnessed, and that's elite special teams. A, a you special know what? I was, that I was just thinking that because that was the block punts were yes. a huge part of that. They were huge. They were huge. A block punt last week would have been huge at some point, but. Special teams, man. And that's <laughs> Coach, Coach Biagi. You know, throw him under the microscope as well. We haven't, we haven't seen it. I haven't. I don't even. I can't remember Notre Dame really even being remotely close to a block in the last three weeks. I don't either. And I really think about it. I don't either. No. And I mean, really. You know, again, the defense has played well, but we also 
haven't seen like a game changing type defensive play. Right. And again, like when you're going up against a Caleb Williams kind of guy, because, you know, whether it was Benjamin Morrison with the interceptions against Clemson last year, and obviously the pick six, you know, went beyond just the pump. Like they're going to need a couple of momentum changing type plays. Like I think at least two, some combination of special teams and defense Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. I agree. I absolutely agree. But I, I I agree. It does have that type of vibe, especially when you add in the weather and what it was like that night. I just think uh, Kayla Williams is a little bit better than DJ Uagalela. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Okay, Just a little bit better, Sean. Yep. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, and that's that's a great point. You know, that, that that did contribute to that as well. But um, we're going we're gonna to have to see special teams and or defense really step up Saturday night against USC. 